1984, pastors Jean and Sue started Faith Christian Center in a hotel ballroom. But for the past 36 years, they have taught people how to practically apply the Bible to their everyday lives. Over the years, God has blessed us and the church has grown. Faith Christian Center is now located on a beautiful 73-acre campus in the heart of the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex. We believe the best is yet to come. Today's message will encourage you, inspire you, and teach you how to experience God's best in every area of your life. Let's begin with a moment of prayer. Heavenly Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus, and we desire to walk more closely with you, and we desire to pray more effectively. And we thank you for giving each of us insight and understanding and revelation into your word, that we would live a life that is pleasing to you, that we would walk in great victory all the days that we are here on planet Earth. And we give you the praise and the credit and the glory for it. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And we're living in the days of Malachi 3 and verse 18. And you will again see the distinction between the righteous and the wicked, between those who serve God and those who do not. We're living in the days of Matthew 24 and verse 12. Jesus said, because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. But the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. And so we see that around us. And we see that in the time in which we live, in the culture, the love of people, and it shouldn't be growing cold, but it's obvious in their lives, the love that they have, that they should have for the Lord, it is growing cold. But I'm glad that your love is not growing cold. Amen? Amen. Yesterday in our introduction, we learned that our lives are to bear fruit, much fruit, fruit that lasts, and our prayer lives are to bear fruit, much fruit, and fruit that lasts. So don't just keep praying the same way that you've been praying expecting different results, be willing to change, be willing to tweak, be willing to improve to get better results in prayer. Yesterday in our introduction, we learned that number one, when you pray, pray according to the Word of God. Pray according to the Bible. And then we left off with point number two. Number two, when you pray, pray that needs would be met, your needs and the needs of others. Now, religion will convince you that it is wrong to pray for things. Religion will convince you that it is wrong to pray that needs or your needs or the needs of others would be met. But our Heavenly Father wants our every need to be met, and not just with enough, but with plenty left over. I gave you the quote from John Wesley, the great English revivalist. He said, it seems as though God is limited by our prayer life, that he can do nothing for humanity unless someone asks him unless someone makes a request of him. So God will not automatically meet our needs. We have to ask. If we want to receive, we must ask. And this is where we left off. John 16 and verse 24, ask, or the word more correctly is ateo, which means demand, demand, and you will receive, and your joy will be complete. And demand doesn't mean to be prideful. Demand doesn't mean to be arrogant. Demand doesn't mean that we're bossing the Lord around or telling God what to do. Demand means that we're stating what we want and what we expect to happen, knowing who we are in Christ, knowing what belongs to us in Christ, knowing our covenant rights, benefits, and privileges in Christ. Ask or demand, and you will receive, and your joy will be complete. So we have to ask, and our Heavenly Father wants us to ask Him. He wants to, us to ask Him, but we have to ask. James 4 and verse 2, Ye have not because ye ask not. Now people are taught that if they don't have, it must be God's will that they not have, that if a need has gone unmet for a year or two years or five years or forever, that it must not be God's will that they have, that need be met. And that's nonsense. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says in James 4 and verse 2, Ye have not, because ye ask not. We have not, because we ask not. Austin has not, because Austin has not asked. You have not, because you have not asked. Ye have not, because ye ask not. So if we have not, 
Whose fault is it? It's our fault. Now, pastor in the evening services has been dealing with the fact that in this culture, we live in a culture of complaining. We live in a culture of everyone blaming everyone else for their problems. And if we're honest, no, we don't cause every challenge in our own lives. But a lot of the trouble people go through is self-inflicted. You have not because you ask not. So if I, if I have not, whose fault is it? I know it's my dad's fault or my mom's fault or it must be Jessica's fault or must be uh, Sophie's fault or Michaela's fault. If Austin has not, whose fault is it? Or it must be the Lord's fault. Must be God. The, the problem could not possibly be with me. It must be with the Lord. And so you see how people, when they don't, get into the Word and find out what the Word says, and then they don't get results, they head down very dangerous roads, complaining, which God hates, blaming others, or worse, blaming the Lord, and uh, no victory comes from it. No blessing comes from it. Ye have not, because ye ask not. Matthew 7, beginning in verse 7, I'm going to read it out of the King James. Ask, and it shall be. Say, shall. And this is one of the strongest words in the English language. Shall, will, not might, not maybe, not possibly, not if it's uh, your lucky day, not if uh, you're the favored and chosen one on Tuesday, March 30th, 2021. Ask, and it shall or will be given to you. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you for everyone. How many? How many? So not, not just pastors or those in full-time ministry, not just the uh, spiritual elite, whatever that means. For everyone that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth, and to him that knocketh it shall be open. So who receives? Everyone that asketh. So who does not receive? Those who never ask. And you might say, well, Austin, it could just not possibly be that simple, and it is. Yesterday, I mentioned how when we were growing up and would go to eat out as a family, I, I was, even though I was the older, older of the two, I was shy, and I was timid, and I was bashful. And so if we needed more coloring sheets or more crowns, I, I never wanted to go back up to the front and ask at the restaurant. I always made Christina do the asking. But again, if I had not, it was because I had not asked or I hadn't succeeded in getting Christina to ask on my behalf. <laughs> and it's great, I guess, if you can get Pastor or Pastor Sue to ask on your behalf. But at some point in walking with the Lord, you ought to realize you can ask for yourself and you can pray for yourself and you can get answers for yourself. Everyone that asketh receiveth. Everyone that asketh, receive it. So if we have not, it is because we have not asked. Or we have not asked in the right way. Or we have not asked with the right heart and right motives. Or we have not asked in line with the written word of God. James 4, beginning in verse 2, you want something, but don't get it. You kill and covet, but you cannot have what you want. You quarrel and fight. You do not have because it is not the will of God for you to have. Is that what James wrote? You do not have because you do not ask God. So again, ye have not because ye ask not. You have not because you do not ask God. Verse 3, when you ask, you do not receive. I know why, because it's not the will of God. Is that what it says? When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives. So who has the wrong motives? Is it the Lord that has the wrong motives? It, it's us. The, the problem is with the, the heart. You know, I'm, just, I'm just amazed by what we see in 2021. And, you know, of course, maybe last March or April or May, it was understandable. But as time goes by and there's more information and people can read, I mean, it's just amazing how people will tell me or they'll tell Aaron that they don't think it's safe to come to church and I must think, well, they don't believe the Bible, but then you'll see them at the grocery store. 
or you'll see them at the homecoming, St. Paul's homecoming football game. And I, I see that and think, well, you think it's safe to come to this event. And this is the reality of the days in which we're living. And so we've got to get, get, as my father used to say, all the forces of our life lined up and moving in the same direction. What we believe, what we're saying, or what we're praying, and what we are doing. And somebody might object and get upset and say, Austin, Austin, no, 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 I'm a believer. Well, we know what you truly believe by what you do. We know what someone truly believes by what we can see with our eyeballs. And so in the days we're living in, Jesus said, Matthew 24, 12, the love of most will grow cold, which is a heart issue. See, what has happened in the last year, it just brought to the surface and revealed for all of us to see that some people's hearts were not right. They weren't all in. They weren't fully committed. They, they were not of one mind and one heart and one purpose with the Lord and with his word. And it just took some circumstances out there in the world to reveal what they truly believed. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. So when you ask, and we are to ask, he wants us to ask. When you ask, ask with the right heart and with right motives. James' admonition here is similar to and a reminder of Paul's correction to the church at Corinth, not walking in love, bitterness, fighting, division, not walking in love and unforgiveness are two hindrances to faith and answered prayer. So when we ask, we've got to ask with the right heart and right motives. And if your heart is right, your motives are right, you're, you're automatically going to be asking in line with the Word of God. You're automatically going to be asking in line with his word. Matthew 7, verse 8, everyone that asketh receiveth. So if we have not, it's because we have not asked, or we have not asked in the right way, according to the word, or we have not asked with the right heart and right motives, or we have not asked in line with the word of God. Again, James 4, verse 2, you want something but don't get it. You kill and covet, but you cannot have what you want. You quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. Now, God does not mind us having the desires of our heart, but he does mind us being selfish, which again, when someone is selfish or cheap or stingy or all they care about is themselves, that reveals what kind of issue? A heart issue. They're not right. Their heart is not right. And they are not right with the Lord. It reveals a heart issue. God does not mind. Our Heavenly Father does not mind us having the desires of our hearts, but He does mind us being selfish. It can't just all be about you. And I know you are important. We are all important. But it can't just be all about you. If your heart is right, you're going to love God. You're going to love the kingdom of God. You're going to love the family of God. You're going to love others. And if your heart is right, you are going to be concerned and mindful, not just of yourself, but of others. And that's why point number two is when you pray, pray that needs would be met, your needs and, say and, the needs of others. As I said yesterday, we, we are in a place in our lives, and it's because the, the road that Pastor led us down as a church beginning in 2018, we're, we're in a place in our lives where needs are met before there's a need. Provision is made before the bill ever arrives, before the bill ever comes. And so in our lives, a lot of the petitions that we present are not our own, they're not our own, but they are petitions for others. And in the confession booklet, when somebody emails a prayer request or somebody tells us about a need, I will type it out or write it down, print it out, and then put it in my confession booklet so I have it. So at least once a week, I'm praying over those needs. 
And I do so until I feel a, until I'm told there's a miracle or a testimony, or I know that by the Holy Spirit, I'm released to no longer pray about that. Because some, with some requests, you're dealing with people's will. You're dealing with people's will. You're dealing with people's choices. And the, the Holy Spirit can convict someone, but they, they've got to be willing. They've got to cooperate. They've got to be willing to come to church. They've got to be willing to live for the Lord and do what's right. So we do our part, amen? But we have to go beyond just being focused on me, myself, and that being it. We've got to be concerned and mindful and pray for others. And we're not there yet, but in the days that Paul lived in, there was terrible, wicked, evil leadership in Rome. And he said we're to pray for all of those who are in authority. And as Christians, we ought not just pray for our nation during an election year. We ought to be praying for our nation and for our leaders all the time. We ought not just be praying for our nation when there is bad news or something bad in the news. Matthew 7, verse 7, ask and it shall be given you. Verse 8, for everyone that asketh receiveth. So again, if we have not, we've not asked in the right way or with the right heart and right motives, or we have not asked in line with the Word of God. So we must ask. God will not automatically meet needs. We must ask. Again, as John Wesley said, it seems as though God is limited by our prayer life, that He can do nothing for humanity unless someone asks Him, unless someone makes a request or petition of Him. So we are to pray that needs be met, our needs and the needs of others. Number three, you can pray with confidence and faith when you know God's will, which is His Word. You can pray with confidence and with faith when you know God's will, which is His Word. You can pray with faith and with confidence when you know God's will, which is His Word. And how do we know the will of God? It is by His Word. And so if someone says, well, Austin, I, I don't know what the will of the Lord is, all, all they're saying is they have not taken the time to get into the Word of God and to find out what the Bible says about whatever the issue is, whatever the problem is, whatever the circumstance is. And with all this technology, we have no excuses. As I said yesterday, it's not like back in the day when you needed to learn more about Babylon, you had to go to the back of your Bible, to the concordance, Somebody might say, what's a concordance? Again, the problem with this generation, amen? But you'd have to go to the back, you'd have to look it up, you'd have to, you'd have to flip through and look up every single reference one at a time. Well, now with the technology and websites and Bible Gateway and things like Logos, I mean, you, you can have amazing resources in like five seconds just by typing it in, typing the word in, and hitting enter. So if somebody doesn't know the will of God, that's because they haven't cracked open a Bible. That's because they've not bothered to do a search to find out what his will is. Knowing God's will in every area of life is your responsibility. Say, say my responsibility. Now we do our best to cover as much as we can cover. But we cannot cover everything every Sunday or every Wednesday night. You know, each year in these day sessions on prayer, we're covering different things, some things that are familiar, some things that are a refreshing. But we cannot cover everything in every session. And the reality is some things are of greater benefit to our living, our everyday lives. For instance, why are we teaching on prayer? Because it's with prayer that we see circumstances change. So I'm not going to come in next year for the Holy Week revival and do a week on angels or dream interpretation. Everybody would be weird within five seconds. And that doesn't help pay the bills. That doesn't help keep the lights on. So we know His will by His word. And knowing His will Knowing his word is my responsibility and your responsibility. So you got to get into the word and find out what it says so you know God's will. Hosea 4, 6, my people are destroyed from what? Lack of 
knowledge. Knowledge about what? The things of God, the commands of God, the expectations of God, the requirements that He has given us in His Word, His commands, His expectations. They are ignorant of His Word. Read the Word to find out His will. Study and meditate upon His Word to know His will, to know His will in your heart. As I shared, there was a man that came to our house last week to do a service call. Wonderful man, kind, gracious, always a good attitude, does everything with excellence. So every time we specifically request him, well, he finished and told me about a negative medical diagnosis that he had received. And so I immediately said, can I pray with you? And uh, walked over and put my arm around him. And, you know, his, the company he works for makes him wear a mask and forget six feet. Jesus said that we would lay our hands on the sick and they would recover. And so we're to lay our hands on the sick and they will recover. And that's true even in 2021. You know, he, he was walking around touching people when there was leprosy. So if somebody has the sniffles, that does not bother me. A few Sundays ago after one of the services, a young boy was walking by and he was about to reach out to shake my hand but you could tell he had one of those big sneezes coming. And so he, he, he sneezed, a big sneeze. You know, I could tell it went all over his hand. And I, I held out my hand anyway. And I said, doesn't, he looked at me like I was crazy. And I said, it doesn't bother me. My children sneeze on me all the time. <laughs> so again, the word is true, even in 2021. And Hosea 4.6 is true. Why are, why are people defeated? Why are people destroyed? Why do needs that our Heavenly Father wants to meet, why do they go unmet? It's because of Hosea 4, 6, my people are destroyed from a lack of knowledge. You will only have faith for what you know about. You will only have faith for what you know about. So many believers simply have no idea what the Bible says about healing or about prosperity or about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. There, there are believers and they don't even know that God wants everyone to be saved. Why? Because some preacher convinced them that Jesus only died for some or for the elect. And they haven't bothered to open the Bible and to read it for themselves and to find a verse like where God, where Paul wrote to Timothy, God wants all men. How many? All to be saved. So you only have faith for what you know about. And again, my people are destroyed from a lack of knowledge. And again, with all this technology, I'll just use myself as an example, with all this technology and all the resources we have available, if Austin is ignorant, who is responsible for Austin being ignorant? So you got to come to the place where you to say, I'm going to be responsible and if I'm uncertain of what God's will is in this area of my life, I'm going to get into the Word and find out what it says so I can believe God and stand upon His Word. You only have faith for what you know about. And so many believers do without, not because it's God's will, they do without because of their own lack of knowledge. They do without because a pastor or a preacher never told them. They do without because of they're, they're ignorant about what the Word says. They don't know what the Word says. My people are destroyed from lack of knowledge. You'll only have faith for what you know about. So you've got to get into the Word of God. You've got to find out His will. And then you have to confess and declare and pray the Word. And when you begin to do that and take action on the Word of God, your circumstances and your life will change. And as I said yesterday, we're to pray the Word. The Word, the Word of God is what has power. And that's why, as an example, if you, somebody went to the cafe and looked through Pastor's Book of Prayer or the Confession Booklet, they might say, well, Austin, it's just a bunch of Scripture. Yes, because that is what has power. That is what has authority. We've just put it together so that you can say, well, I need to find out or pray what the Word of God says about healing, it's there in a section on healing. Easy. We did the homework for you. But every topic is not in the book of prayer. So whatever the need is, you may have to get online or go to the back of your Bible and, 
and open the concordance. And you might say, well, my Bible doesn't have a concordance. Got to get a real Bible with a concordance. Amen. Not calling your Bible not real. You got to do your homework and find out what the Word of God says. Jesus is the high priest of our homologeo, our saying the same thing God says. He's not the high priest of our opinion, our theories, our ideas. God cannot bless my opinion, but he can bless his word. So we got to pray his word. You can pray with confidence and faith when you know his will, which is his word. Our heavenly father will not hear, and he will not answer prayers that are not in line with his word, which is his will. There's no point praying unbiblical prayers. There's no point praying in an unbiblical manner. There's no point asking him for anything that is out of line with his word, which is his will. If you want to hear, if you want him to hear you, if you want to be heard, if you want to be answered, if you want to receive, if you want your joy to be complete, you got to pray according to the word of God. You've got to ask in line with the word of God. You've got to pray according to his word, which is his will. Turn over to 1 John 5, beginning in verse 14. 1 John 5, beginning in verse 14. This is the confidence. Well, there, there are a lot of believers, and they're as uh, squishy as a gummy worm. And when it rains on our, our property, there are, there are worms and earthworms all over the driveway, making their, way, making their way across. And they're that squishy. They have no confidence. They have no confidence about the issues of 2021. They have no they have confidence about morality. They have uh, no confidence about healing or this issue or that issue, and it's because they don't know what the Word says. This is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to His will, and what is His will? His will is His Word. He has revealed His will to us in His Word. A will is a testament, and we have two testaments. We have the Old Testament, and we have the New Testament. You have his will. And you might say, Austin, I don't know what the will of the Lord is. you got to open the Bible and find out what his will is. If we ask anything according to his will, which is his word, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have. Say, I have it. We know that we have what we have asked of him. So when you pray and ask for anything according to his word, which is his will. He hears you. He hears your request for anything or for whatever you desire according to his word. When you pray and ask for anything according to his word, you have it. What do you have? What God wills for you? What mom or dad desire for you? What religion or religious people desire for you? No. What do you have? Verse 15. We have what we have asked of him. We have. Say, I have what I have asked of him. You might say, well, Austin, I have not. And again, we go back to James. If I have not, it is because I have asked not, or I have asked amiss, or I have asked out of line with the word of God, or I have asked with the wrong heart or wrong motives. We know that we have what we have asked of him. So when you pray and ask for anything according to his word, which is his will, he hears us. And we have. When do we have? When do we have? I know 25 years from now. When do we have? At the moment we pray. At the moment we ask. When do we have? At the moment we pray, which is right now. And remember, faith is now. It is present tense. So when you pray and ask for anything according to his word, which is his will, he hears you. And you have what you have asked of him. Say, I have it. Say, say, I'm not going to get it. Say, say, I have it. Now we're getting into how faith works. You might say, well, Austin, if I have it, where is it? At the moment you pray, you have what you have asked for. Where is it or where does it exist? It exists in the realm of God. And how do we bring it into manifestation in our life and our circumstances? It's not by asking repeatedly for the same thing over and over and over again. You've heard me give the illustration of how if after church on a Sunday we get in the car and Samuel says, hey, Dad, 
Can we get milkshakes or we can, can we go to Andy's? The answer is always yes. It must be the will of the Lord. Amen. Well, if, if he's asked and I've said yes, we're going. We're on our way. But what do children do? Are we, are, can we go get a milkshake or can we go to Andy's? Or what, they, they ask again and again and again. But Paul said we're to put childish ways behind us. And asking repeatedly is contrary to faith. Because if I ask and believe he's heard me and answered me, and I have what I have asked for, I don't need to ask again. I just need to thank him for it. And believe I receive until I have the manifestation. And in previous years, previous Holy Week revivals, in the evening services, the day services, Pastor and I have dealt with that extensively. So we thank him, and we believe we receive until we have the manifestation. 1 John 5, verse 14, this is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything, say anything, according to his will, which is his word, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, say whatever. So anything, whatever, our Heavenly Father is wonderful. And he wants us to have the desires of our heart, as long as they are consistent with his word and a godly life. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we have asked of him. So we have it. So you can pray with faith. You can pray with confidence and faith when you know his will, which is his word. Look over at Matthew 21, beginning in verse 18. Matthew 21, beginning in verse 18. Early in the morning, as Jesus was on his way back to the city, he was hungry. Seeing a fig tree by the road, he went up to it, but found nothing on it except leaves. So there was no fruit. Then he said to it, may you never bear fruit again. Immediately the tree withered. When the disciples saw this, they were amazed. How did the fig tree wither so quickly, they asked. Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. If you have faith and do not doubt, not only can you do what was done to the fig tree, but you can say to the mountain, go throw yourself into the sea and it will be done. If you believe, you will receive whatever. Say whatever you ask for in prayer. If you believe, you will receive whatever you ask for in prayer. And somebody might say, Austin, that's crazy. I don't understand. Here we have a great example of how Jesus truly does believe in bearing fruit. And we began the introduction yesterday saying we're to bear fruit fruit that lasts in every area of life and including in our prayer lives. If you believe, you will receive whatever you ask for in prayer. And this is why pastor challenges us to exercise our faith daily on things like money or on things like everyday needs, on small things. How can you believe God for big things if you can't believe God for small things? How can you speak to big mountains if you cannot speak to small mountains? How can you use or exercise faith or be heard and answered on big things if you cannot use your faith or be heard or answered on small things? And so that's why we believe in exercising our faith daily on small things, the everyday things of life. Don't wait for a mountain or some big problem to learn how faith works and how prayer works. Don't wait for some big challenge or some life-threatening circumstance to learn how faith works or how prayer works. Don't wait. Use your faith daily. Exercise your faith daily. Pray daily. Pray asking and receiving daily. And in doing that, evaluate your results and change, and tweak, and improve, and go back to the Word of God, and re-listen to sermons, and re-listen to series, to continually get better results. Fruit that lasts. Much fruit. Good fruit. Because if you're the fig tree with no fruit, what value are you to the kingdom of God? And can the fig tree with no fruit, can it move a mountain out of the way? No. The wind just blows it away. As Jesus says in one of the parables, it is good for nothing except to be thrown where? Into the fire. 
So in Matthew 21, we're to see, we see again, we're to bear fruit, that any tree that does not bear fruit will eventually be cursed, that our lives should bear good fruit, fruit that lasts, including our prayer lives. We see that our words, the confession of our mouths has great power and authority. As pastor's been dealing with in the evenings, more authority and power than we realize. In Matthew 21, we see the power of faith and not doubting in our hearts when we pray or when we confess. We see the power of faith and not doubting in our hearts when we pray or when we confess. Look at it again at verse 22. If you believe, say, if I believe. If I believe. And then if we bring the, the previous verse into it, verse 21, or if you have faith and do not doubt. Say, if I have faith and do not doubt. I will receive whatever I ask for in prayer. Say, say if I have faith and do not doubt, I will receive whatever I demand as my covenant rights and privileges in prayer. Now we'll get to doubt and unbelief tomorrow or on Thursday. You got to get the doubt and unbelief out of your life. And again, that requires more time in the Word, more time in church. Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. All the people that have been absent, all the people that have been missing, all the people that have been the Home Depot people, but not the House of the Lord people for the last year. I, I've noticed they're not the ones sending in miracles. I've noticed they're not the ones emailing in testimonies. If you have faith and do not doubt, or if you believe, you will receive whatever you ask for or demand in prayer. So again, how can we have confidence? Or as we see in Matthew 21, how can we have faith and not doubt? Well, again, the Apostle John gave us the answer in 1 John 5, beginning in verse 14. This is the confidence. Say confidence. We have an approaching God that if we ask anything, say anything, according to his will. And again, how do we know his will? It is by his word. He hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have. Say, say, I have it. I have it. Say it again. Say, I have it. What do you have? Whatever you have asked of him. And again, this is why Jesus said we would ask and receive and our, our joy would be complete. Even if I don't have the physical manifestation, if I know from the word I have it, I have every reason to be happy and to be thankful and to rejoice and to get rid of the worry, to get rid of the anxiety because I have confidence that I have asked according to his word, which is his will. You can have confidence when you know what the word says about salvation, about healing, about your needs being met, about marriage or family or parenting, whatever it is. When you pray, you can have confidence when you know what the Word says. When you pray, you can have confidence when you know what God's Word says about whatever you're praying about or about whatever the need is. How can we have faith and not doubt? John gives us the answer in 1 John 5, 14 through 15. You can have faith and not doubt when you know what the Bible says. So if people are all squishy, if people are all unsure, if people are all uncertain, like a worm slithering across the driveway after it rains, it's because they don't know what the Word says. And they've heard more about what the culture believes than they've heard about what we have in the Word of God and the Bible. But again, if someone's ignorant, whose fault is it? Is it God's fault? If someone's confused, whose fault is it? And you might say, well, Austin, you don't know the situation or circumstance or the home. You don't know what mom or dad communicated in the home. But again, Paul says there comes a time when you have to put away childish things. You've got to take responsibility for your own life and your own knowledge of the Word of God. Look over at Mark's account, Mark 11, beginning in verse 12. The next day when they had come out from Bethany, Jesus was hungry. Seeing from afar a fig tree having leaves, he went to see if perhaps he would find something on it. You don't want to miss Easter. The, the message will be on signs of life. And, uh, you know, when they resuscitate someone, they're looking for signs of life. 
And in your life, are there, there are signs of life? Jesus went on to see if perhaps he would find something on it. When he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for it was not the season for figs. You know, he, he expects us to bear fruit in season and out of season. All the time. Jesus said to it, let no one eat fruit from you ever again. And his disciples heard it. Verse 20, in the morning as they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. Peter, remembering, said to him, Rabbi, look, the fig tree you cursed has withered away. So Jesus answered them and said, have faith in God. Literally, have the God kind of faith. Assuredly, I say, whoever says to the mountain, be removed and be thou cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things which he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. The King James, verse 23, Verily I say unto you that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. You will have whatsoever you saith. But how can you saith with certainty? How can you say it with confidence? How can you pray it with utter and complete confidence if you don't know what the Word of God says or if you're confused about what the Word of God says or if you've been listening to this voice and that voice and this voice and that voice until it's all just a, a blender in your head and a blender in your spirit man and you're not sure you're not certain so you can pray with confidence and faith when you know his word which is his will. You can pray with confidence and faith when you know his will, which is his word. Number four, you will have whatsoever you say in prayer. Mark eleven twenty three. 23, he shall have whatsoever he saith. Say, I shall have whatsoever I say. So if confession and prayer doesn't work for you, it's because you're not working it properly according to the word of God. Jesus told us to have faith in God or to have the God kind of faith. And our Heavenly Father, He calls things that are not as though they were. You go back to Genesis. In the beginning, God said, Mark eleven twenty three, 23, Whoever shall say unto this mountain, Be removed, and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. He shall have whatsoever he saith. So again, if confession and prayer aren't working for you, you're not doing it properly. You're not doing it according to the word of God. You're not following the instruction manual. Now, recently we had a man come out to our property to pull a basketball goal that somebody had bumped into, and it wasn't my mom or Jessica, so don't be concerned, amen. <laughs> had to pull the old goal, put a new one in. He, he's great at putting stuff like that together or playgrounds and he I saw he posted on Facebook about don't be the parent that goes to Sam's or wherever buys the playground set and then doesn't want to spend $500 paying somebody that knows how to put it together to put it together because it is more difficult to take it apart once it has been put together incorrectly than doing it right the first time and it's one thing if somebody just got saved and they don't know how to pray, and they're praying in ignorance. But if you've been a believer five years or 10 years or 15 years or 20 years, there's no excuse for being ignorant of what the Word says. And yes, pastorally, I would say that God will do things in the life of a new believer. He won't do in the life of a mature believer because He expects more of us. So you got to grow up. you got to put childish ways behind. You shall have whatsoever you saith. Say, I will have what I say. So as we've learned, faith and prayer work by saying. Faith and prayer does not work by thinking it. Faith and prayer does not work by Facebooking it. Well, if I can get all 499 of my Facebook friends in agreement, that's when you know the battle has been lost. And I say that, Pastor, when people head down that road, you know that they are simply just ignorant of what the Word says. 
and that uh, the situation's not going to turn out like they're hoping for. Faith and prayer does not work by thinking it or hoping it or uh, Facebooking it or prayer chaining it. Faith and prayer does not work only by believing it. Faith and prayer both work by saying. Say, I have to say. Say, I have to open my mouth and speak and pray. As we've learned, faith will work by saying, even without praying, and faith will also work by saying it out loud when you pray. So yes, we should read and study and meditate upon the Word of God, but we must also say it. We must also confess it and speak it and declare it, and we must also say it when we pray. Prayer is audible. Prayer is spoken communication with the Lord. Now, you can, you can pray quietly. Prayer can be a whisper, but it still must be said. Prayer can be spoken words like normal conversation. This is why prayer is not just you talking, but also you listening. Amen. Prayer is conversation with the Lord. Prayer is not, prayer is not shouting or screaming. You know who screams in the Bible? People with the devil. Demoniacs. You know, there have been some ridiculous videos shared in the, the past year. You've got to tune all that stuff off. You know, I, it's sad the roads that people head down. There was an older lady in the church, and at, what, at one point she got mad at Pastor Sue and mad at me because something had happened, and she had the expectation that we were going to do X, Y, or Z, except she never let the church office know something had happened and that she had the expectation that we were going to do X, Y, or Z. You know, how, how, do, how do I know if I don't know? And so anyway, she was upset, and she was offended over by this, and so she left, and she's been in an environment where she's not been hearing the word, and she's gotten into all kinds of nonsense. Well, one of the people that she's been listening to says, says one of the video clips I, I saw was that, you know, she was getting ready in the morning, and Jesus walked into the room screaming at her. Well, this is not biblical. You're not going to find Jesus screaming at anyone in the Gospels. Even when he cast out devils, he simply spoke the word of command. When we pray, we say prayer is conversation, but prayer is not shouting or screaming. If you want to find shouting or screaming in the Bible, go to the Old Testament when Elijah had the showdown on Mount Carmel with the prophets of Baal, the prophets of Baal were shouting and screaming and cutting themselves. That sounds like that wicked culture out there that serves the devil. But as his children, I don't need to shout at him. I don't need to scream at him. And God is not deaf. God is not hard of hearing. It's not like my prayer is more effective the louder I am. It's not like if I can scream at him or crank the decibels up or blow some speakers that he's more likely to hear me and answer me. So we speak when we pray. Prayer is audible. Prayer is spoken. And this is why one of the demonic works of Satan is robbing people of their ability to speak. And that's why every single deaf and mute person in the Gospels, Jesus set free. And that's why he loosed the tongue of every mute person he encountered. Because that's not a work of God, that is a work of Satan. God wants us to be able to speak and speak to him. If you, if you read a book and study a book, that's fine. If you get pastor's book of prayer, the confession booklet, and if you, you read it, that's fine. But, but you're not praying, you are reading. See, see I learned that in school. Reading has one definition, and speaking has another. Reading has one definition, and, and praying has another. And as I gave the example yesterday, I'm not being harsh. I'm not being mean. But when we come together at 5 a.m. prayer, that is to pray. That is not to have chit-chat with the guys. That is not to, to catch up on conversation or to talk about guns or ammo or cars or whatever it is. And it's not even to sit somewhere by myself and to do what at prayer? Read. Because reading is not praying, and praying is not reading. Faith works by saying. Prayer works by saying. And faith will work by saying even without praying. 
And faith will also work by saying it out loud when you pray. You got to speak. You don't have to shout. You don't have to scream. God's not deaf, but you need to open your mouth and speak and pray and use the voice that he has given you to believe him, to stand upon his word, to present your petitions and to present your requests. Number five, you can pray with confidence knowing our heavenly father wants to give you good things. Say, say good things. Say he wants to give me good things. Matthew 6 and verse 8, do not be like them. Who is he talking about? The pagans, the unbelievers, those that don't know God. Do not be like them for your heavenly father knows what you need before you ask. He knows what you need before you ask. And I love that. He knows what I need before I ask. So even before I ask, the answer is yes. Even before I ask, the answer is yes. But I still have to ask. Your father knows what you need before you ask him. Matthew 7, verse 7, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone, how many? Everyone who asks receives. He who seeks finds. To him who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil. And Jesus is not being mean to us. He's just using this as an illustration. If you, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts? The King James says things, good things. How much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask? But again, we go back to James 4, and we find out that we have not because we ask not. And he wants to give us good gifts. He wants to give us good things. As a loving parent, any loving parent should desire to give their children the desires of their heart. And of course, you have to do that at the level you're at. Otherwise, you'll get into trouble. But it brings me great joy as a parent to give good things unto our children. And when it's okay for them, when it's good for them, when it's a blessing, it's not to their harm or de detriment, the answer is always yes. And I, I'm not perfect. I'm not the Lord. And if that's my desire as an imperfect father, how much more will our Heavenly Father give good gifts to those who ask Him? But we have to ask. And if we have not, it is because we have asked not. And our children have learned to ask. They, they are not bashful about asking. They're not bashful about when they're at my father's house and Samuel will say, hey, can we, can we look on Amazon? They, they have figured it out. Michaela has figured out that if she can ask me nicely for my iPad and she'll say, can I look at this website? And if I say, if I say yes, she has figured out that if she will look, and load up the shopping cart with what she wants or desires, all she has to do is bring it back to me, and, and I'll take care of it from there. And you might, might say, Austin, that, that's extravagant. Well, that's nothing compared to our Heavenly Father. You have got to be utterly convinced in your mind and in your heart that He gives good things, good gifts to us who are His children. And you might say, Austin, you, you don't know me. You don't know what I've done. You don't know my flaws, my shortcomings. You don't know our Heavenly Father. He overlooks all of that because it's under the blood of Jesus. And he wants to give good gifts to those who ask. But we have to ask. He wants to give good gifts to us who ask. But we have to ask. He knows what we need even before we ask. But we have to ask. And if we, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto our children, how much more? Say, how much more will our Heavenly Father give good gifts or good things to those who ask? But we have to ask. And again, if, if I have not, it is because I have asked not. And again, we, we are all, everyone this morning, there are adults, there are young people, everybody is at a different level. But whatever level you're at, you need to lift up your eyes from the level you're at and believe him for more and ask him for more. Because 
it's no cost to him. It's no expense to him, whatever it is. He wants to bless us with good gifts, but we have to ask. We'll hit the pause button there. Let's take a few minutes to pray for the services this week, just like we did yesterday. Today, let's, for a few minutes together, corporately, lift up the noon services this week and the evening services. Pray for pastor, pray for me, pray for those who will come. Pray for those who will need to be here. You might be mindful of those that uh, they're missing. Pray for them, intercede for them, and use your mouth, use your words. Pray vocally. Don't have to shout or scream, but use your words. Heavenly Father, we thank you that healing is your will. And I thank you, Heavenly Father, that anyone here, anybody watching or listening that has had a challenge in their physical mortal body, I thank you for right now, your healing power flowing through their body from the crown of their head to the soles of their feet. I thank you for them being healed and your healing power being manifested in their physical body right now in the name of Jesus. And if that's you, Begin to thank the Lord that you have believed, that you have received. Thank him, believing you receive. Thank him for healing you and take action and do what you could not do before. Whether you're here, whether you're watching online, take action and do what you could not do before. I thank you, Heavenly Father, for your healing power being at work in our physical mortal bodies. I thank you for quickening our physical mortal bodies. And we thank you that the works of Satan have no right, have no place, have no authority in our physical bodies. And it is in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you for listening to this life-changing message. To partner with us and to help us reach more people with the good news of the gospel, visit our website at faithchristiancenter.com. Your financial support is enabling us to reach more people than ever before. If you have never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, pray this simple prayer. Lord Jesus, I repent of my sins. Come into my heart. I make you my Lord and Savior. If you prayed that simple prayer, 
You are born again, and today is a new beginning. We would like to send you a copy of Dr. Jean Lingerfeld's book, God's Very Own Child. To receive your free copy, call the church office at 817-561-3400 or send an email to info at faithchristiancenter.com. Remember to put God first in every area of your life because he loves you and has a wonderful plan for you. And don't forget, we walk by faith, not by sight.